Welcome back to School Buzz, the Lancaster School District podcast. Today I have with me Kelly Fountain, and I'm your host, Rebecca Cooksey. We're going to be reviewing some of the research on child development and screen time. As you know, I love technology. That's that's something I love, and it's a something I want kids to be able to interact with within reason to use as a tool for their knowledge. Kelly is our director of ECE, which means she works with our very young kids. So Kelly, go ahead and give us a little background about what you do. I am director of preschool program, so I work with the three and four-year-old children in our district, which we call the Willowist Learners. And we work with um, building foundational skills to prepare them for kindergarten and transitional kindergarten. And we work on developing domains, the four domains of child development, which is social emotional skills, physical motor skills, cognitive and language development. Did I ever tell you I got kicked out of preschool? I was, um, I think I was three and I was going to preschool and the teachers were teaching us about the alphabet and they were like, some of these letters are consonants and some of these are vowels. And I'm like, <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. They're all letters. I knew my letters, and I was just insistent that there was no difference between them, and so they put me in the baby room, and I went home very, very angry, and so my mom said I didn't have to go anymore. So that's my story about preschool. I had actually very good quality preschool, but that was the one time I I didn't want to go anymore because it put me in the baby room. Well, I think that's a a good point about why we keep it developmentally appropriate. Yes. I don't know if it's as important, but I think about consonants and vowels in at three years old as it is at four and a half and five. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So as a person who loves technology, I remember being one of the kids on the block that had the Pong games. I'm very old. So we had Pong and we played that for hours and hours and hours, which I'm sure was not good for us. And I remember having the first cable TV we had. It played one movie for the entire month. And so I remember watching the big bus over and over and over. It was like a disaster movie, like um, Poseidon, but on a bus. So it was um, not a great movie, but I remember watching it over and over again. We know that technology is a big part of our lives right now. And I know even as an adult, I really have to watch my screen time. My Apple phone will tell me, hey, your screen time has gone up this week. And so, okay, I've got to stop that. But because it's so distracting and so easily accessible, um, what are some things that we're noticing with young children? Well, I think um, the part that you say about how it's distracted to adults, some of that distraction to adults is interfering with the adult or the caregiver's ability to um, interact with the child. And children learn so much that they um, need to know about life through language and interaction with other adults. So some of the things that we're seeing, not just in the preschool program, but just in the research is that that interaction and that check-in with parents or caregivers is actually interrupting development. So when you say a child interacting with an adult, do you mean like when a child is playing and they'll look up at the, the adult to see what they're doing? Or what, what do you mean by that? So, for example, there's this there's this um, cueing system that children have with their caregivers, whether it's their primary caregiver or their daycare caregiver. At a, at a certain time in the child's life, they cue in with those um, people that they spend most of their time with to make sure they're safe to make sure they're in an environment that's um, healthy. So think about it this way. I read this in an article. In, when you were a child or when you were younger and you would be in a restaurant before technology took over our lives, when you were in a restaurant, 
if something happened at the table and there was a toddler there with you, um, let's say the waiter dropped the water or a dish, everyone at the table will look and kind of say, what was that? At the toddler at the table will look at the adult for the adult's reaction. Am I safe here? Is this okay? Parents, you'll see parents often either say, it's okay, it's fine, you're fine, or parents will go, <gasps> like when a toddler falls. The toddler's reaction to the fall isn't about whether or not they're hurt. It's about whether or not the caregiver that they're looking at is giving them a sign you're okay or you should start crying now. Right. So in a restaurant today, if you go in any restaurant, no matter where you are in America, everybody at the table is on the phone. So oftentimes what you'll see is a toddler is on the phone too. So in that same scenario when the waiter spills water or a dish breaks or whatever, the toddler does not look up to the caregiver to see, am I in a safe place here? So what we see when they enter into the preschool program or the classroom is the children don't have that cueing system. So if a child reaches in and grabs a toy from them, they don't know how to react to that. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes that they have a very difficult time learning how to self-regulate themselves and how to get along well with other children because they aren't used to checking in with the people around them to see what am I doing here is okay. So looking at the environmental clues around them from the adults, um, just that social, building those social interactions and learning what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. Yeah. And the, the inability to soothe themselves um, is being interrupted because the devices are in the hand. So I read an article, a, a pediatrician, a nurse practitioner, after he gives shots to children, children cry. Mm -hmm. Shots are. And what's been happening over the last four or five years is parents will put a phone in a child's hand uh, after the shot is given so the child will stop crying. So this particular pediatrician or nurse practitioner noted that children are losing the ability to self-soothe. So when they get hurt or when they um, have a situation that is frustrating to them, like would be in a three-year-old classroom or a four-year-old classroom with 23 other three- or four-year-olds, they have a really hard time regulating their behavior because they don't have the inner ability to soothe themselves. When I was a uh, parent of small children, that was a long time ago because my last one just turned 22, I remember the advice of pediatricians was that a baby needed to learn how to self-soothe when they were going to sleep yeah. because they could, if they woke up in the middle of the night, they could, oh, I'm okay, I can, I can you know, suck my thumb or whatever and go back to sleep. Yeah. Are we seeing that parents are putting children to bed with phones or with devices and that's interrupting sleep patterns? Yes, that also is one of the problems. It's not only interrupting sleep patterns, but it's interrupting language development. So some of the research that's coming out from ASHA, which is the Speech Pathologists um, Association, is that children are... Um, their ability to create and use expressive language is being interrupted. So we're seeing more and more children who are being um, uh, assessed for speech and language development delays and being made eligible for those delays because children are unable to use words that they are learning or that they should have learned to express their needs and wants. So along with the delay in the speech, there's also an increase in behavior because when you can't communicate what you want, your behavior Right, because you're frustrated. There was a study, and I'm not even going to be able to name it anymore, that um, used to be that children in the middle class had so many words by five, and children in, in upper um, middle class homes had this many words, you know, like a thousand words more, and children in poverty had much fewer words to use. And that was one of the reasons that they didn't see progress of children in school because of, right, because they didn't have that, um, 
that expressive language that they needed. So are we seeing this across all social economic yeah. groups? That, yeah. Wow. Everyone has a device. Everyone. It doesn't matter how, what your salary is or if you don't even have a salary. Everyone has access to phones. So this interruption in speech language development and cognitive delays as a result of these devices and enhance is, a, is across the board, which is an astronomical um, issue that we face in preschool. But as children get older and they enter into kindergarten, first grade, second grade, there will be a connection to that delay in speech in academic progress. So one of the things that we see is that when children can't self-regulate themselves and they don't have their communication, their behavior gets bigger. And we have uh, more and more children in our program every single year that have really a hard time and they struggle with regulating their own behavior. And so we have to work more intentionally on teaching them how to take a belly breath um, when you're frustrated with something. And then alongside work with developing language skills that should have been developed from zero to two. So the recommendation for screen time from the American Pediatrics um, is zero, zero screen time for zero to 18 months. Yeah, I just I looked at the same research. So they had said that from, from birth to 18 months, don't watch anything, you know, stay off the screen. From 18 to 24 months, only very high quality educational um, material, but it had to be watched with an adult there yes. and the adult interacting. And I thought that was interesting because a lot of parents will put on the TV thinking, your child's at least getting some educational foundations, and that's not happening if the adult's not interacting with them. Well, and I think more and more children are watching YouTube videos, mm -hmm. and I'm not sure uh, what quality is in those YouTube videos. I mean, I watch YouTube videos sometimes. Yeah. I, I wanted to learn how to paint flowers on my nails. I watched a YouTube video. I want to learn how to build a shelf in my closet. I watch a YouTube video. But that's not the content that our children are, are interacting with. Um, some of it has content that's not appropriate for their age. So it's not about what your child is watching. It's about, is it high quality? And are you watching it with them? One of the things we do in preschool is we try really hard to ask children open-ended questions rather than literal questions like, what color was the um, girl wearing when she went to the market? Instead, we'll say, I wonder why she decided to wear that shirt to the market. So the kids can ask questions or answer questions. Maybe she decided to wear that shirt because it's her favorite shirt. Why is it her favorite trip? So we engage in those conversations. And I think that first five um, initiative is talks about singing to your child, right. reading to your child, and talking to your child. And when you go out and about in town, I try really hard with my own children who are 11 and 13, put your phones down and let's talk about what we're looking at. Let's talk about where we're going. Right. Let's make a plan for the day. So entertaining your children doesn't cost any money. It's just making that conscious effort to make them the most important thing in the in the room or the car or the house. Um, and what's happening now is that children are learning what's happening on that phone, what mom and dad are watching on that phone is more important than they are. So we as adults have to have a healthy media diet yes. um, so that we can help overcome some of these things that children are facing now. And it's very true because I know at, at home when we're eating dinner, um, we've made it a point to make sure phones are put away that, you know, because it's just so tempting when you get that little buzz to look at your phone right away and you're just not engaging with people that are that are so much more important than whatever's on that phone. Or, or, or what, what's being tweeted out there? Like, is that really the most important thing? Like, right. what, your child's <laughs> in the middle of telling you how they, you know, um, worked really hard on their CASP assessment. Mm -hmm. Does that, 
is that not less important or not more important than the dog they found in the river? You know that I mean, we just have to <laughs> we have to make good decisions for for our children because children, especially young children, they watch what we do, and we are their first teachers, their first models. They're they are watching everything we do. So and we teach them that the most important thing is that phone. They learn um, not to engage with you because what's on the phone is more important. Right. And I, sometimes those first five commercials bother me. I'm like, why do we have to tell people to interact with their children? I mean, that was kids, I think, are so fascinating anyway. I love spending time with my kids and reading with them and singing and doing crafts. I don't know how you wouldn't do that as a parent of a young child. Well, I think I always tell my preschool parents, the, the baby comes to you from the hospital wrapped in that really pretty blanket with that little nook, but no one gives you an instruction manual. No, no one. So the first time the baby cries, I mean, you're really doing it on your own. And if you hadn't had a good model for parenting from your own parents, right. you don't know what you don't know what you don't know. So I think the first five California initiative is just to push out that information that you really should be talking to and reading with and singing to your children. You don't have to be, you know, um, a Grammy award winning singer. Right. Right. <laughs> and, and your and your songs don't have to make any sense. But if you can make songs that rhyme um, and they're nonsensical, your kids are learning so much from that. Plus, the interaction with you is like you're the center of their world. So you need to remember that when you're on your phone. Where's the center of their world? What is the center of their world doing right now? Yes. I tell so, my husband that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, if a parent was going to watch some high-quality um, educational programming, what would be a recommendation? It hasn't changed since you and I were kids. Okay. So yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there is a website called Common Sense Media. Mm-hmm. And you can go on that website. It's completely every all the information on there is completely free. You can go on there and ask for an age range of good quality programming for your child in that age range and they will give you recommendations. You can also put in kind of like the IMBD app. If you're gonna take your child to a movie, what is the parental warnings for that movie? And I think as society gets more advanced with technology, some of the things that we see on TV are different than than, than you and I were kids and what we would see. We would hear curse words at 8 o'clock in the afternoon exactly. or in the evening. And nowadays, uh, you could turn the TV on at any time in the day and not appropriate language is coming out. I think it's important for, for parents of young, young children to know that children learn language by listening to language and interacting with people who are talking to them. So they need to have good models of that, and that includes the programming that we, we show them on TV, um, making sure that we check out what we're watching or what we're showing our kids. Just because you hear something um, is exciting and awesome for kids and everybody's into it, it doesn't mean it's quality programs. Exactly, and I, I think every parent has made that mistake of been watching something and not realizing the child was watching too, yeah. and then hearing a word come back or then describe something like, oh my gosh, I should never be watching yeah. this with my small child. Yeah, or your child says a word to you and you think, where did that word come from? And then if you go back and look at their YouTube search history, wow, there it is. Yeah. There it is. My, so, my kids criticize me all the time because I I watch, I restrict the content of the video games that they play. They're not allowed to play Fortnite. Mm-hmm. And they say, we're the only kids in the whole <laughs> world that gets to play Fortnite. Um, but I just have a strong... Um, conviction that some of the content on Fortnite is not is not appropriate for their age age um and i have you know we as parents have sometimes are not their friends no, that's uh, exactly it, it. yes and that doesn't make us the popular people but it does help uh, you know it helps children develop and, and learn how to restrict themselves um, right. when they need to 
Well, I remember when my, my son Samuel was in sixth grade, it was the first time we could see, I would let him see a PG-13 movie. We went together and we watched The Mummy, which is still one of our favorite movies. And it was a big deal to watch a PG-13, but you didn't get to do that until you were in middle school. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was our rule in our family. And I know it was a big deal when the kids finally got there. Um, and, or like when they go out to a sleepover and they call me like, hey, they're going to play Halloween. Is that okay? I'm like, no. Do you want me to come get you? Because you know that that's not appropriate in our family. Yeah. And setting those limits. And I think even my parents, I think they did the best they could. But when I when I think of the iconic movies I watched when I was their age, I, I, I think to my children, let's watch this movie. It was my favorite movie in the whole world. And then I start watching it with them and I think, Oh my gosh, I saw this when I was your age. I turned it off, turn it off. So that's why common sense media is really nice because it, you can put it in before you turn the TV on yeah. and you're sitting in the room with your children um, and look at what's the content of that um, before they sit down and watch it too. Now, we also, your sons are middle school, right? And my kids are grown-ups. But um, I know that we, when they had cell phones, when they were middle school and high school, we took them away at night. Um, so that they couldn't be on their social media or be distracted by that at night. And did you do you have any research about that or any I don't have any about research about that, but I can tell you um, my kids have iPhones. Um, and the reason they have iPhones is because of safety reasons. There was a child that went missing at the bus stop, and my, my husband and I both were like, we need to know where they are at all times. Maybe that makes us hoverers. I don't know. <laughs> but iPhone has a screen time. Mm-hmm. So we – it's. Sometimes parents don't want to engage in the fight with them about taking the actual physical phone. Give me your phone. So we just regulate their screen time, and, and you can turn it off at a certain time, um, which um, they don't argue with us. Yeah. Your time's up. You had your four hours or whatever it is. And the recommendation is, you know, less than four hours. Right. I learned a lot in this research about <laughs> what I need to fix with my kid and, have them, have, and how to adapt our media diet, if you will. Your sons won't be too happy with that. No. I went to a conference once and they talked about sugar in the diet and how that affects the brain. And I came home and just like cleaned out our pantry. And they're like, you can't go to conferences anymore. They were so mad at me. But I'm like, no, if I now I know this, yeah. you're not going to have this sugar like we've, we've been doing before. That happened um, when I went to Capturing Kids Hearts, which is a district huge district initiative with four questions. What are you doing? What are you supposed to be doing? So I went upstairs. My son wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. What are you doing? What are you supposed to be doing? Before I got to the third question, he said, oh, you've been to another conference. <laughs> so educators' kids don't always have it easy. <laughs> Try out our stuff on them all the yeah. time. Because we're, we, you know, we get so connected to our technology, what are some things that parents could be doing with children instead of watching movies all day? Okay, so we did talk about one of those, uh, I guess a couple of those things. Um, use parental controls. So set, set limits on your smartphone or your tablet. Make sure you understand what they're watching and limit screen time. And then the other thing you could do is set and enforce screen rules. So, for instance, at the dinner table, no phones out at the dinner table. iPads, phones, no, nothing, okay? No screens in the car. So you have to talk with your family, set up some, some rules about it. The recommendation from American Pediatrics um, Association, which I'm probably saying that wrong, is that you don't let them use screen time before bed because it actually can amp children up rather than calm them. Okay. So not to let them use it before bed. And then make sure if you have a preschooler or children under five that they create a healthy relationship with their device um, instead of an unhealthy relationship that becomes a habit that 
just like attendance. I always tell parents, <laughs> bring your three-year-old to school every single day and teach them the most important place for them is school every single day. Right. Because I, I always tell parents, I was a middle school administrator for a long time, and attendance is an issue for middle school children. Exactly. So that habit about bad attendance starts at three years old. Mm -hmm. If you bring your kids to school at three, then they learn this is the most important place. Nothing else is more important than school. If you don't set that habit up when they're 13, you're going to be begging some administrator, please take them, drag them out of the car. They won't come. So start that habit early with your kids now. And then I think the most important thing that we can do as parents is get our kids out. doesn't matter what age they are. Get them outside and get them to be doing some physical activity. In the ages of um, zero to five years old, physical activity is how children learn about the world. Exactly. And it increases their brain development the yes. more active they are. Yes. And I think... Um, there's some very important research out there that talks about the child's brain and how the child's brain is fully developed um, by the age of three. Um, everything they need is there. When they don't use those things, they start to slough off, right? Right. So the pathways that we have in there that we use all the time get stronger, like language. If we don't use this, uh, all those pathways, they start to kind of die off. Mm -hmm. One of those things I think that's happening is that kids aren't using language because they're on devices, so all those pathways are, are dying off. It doesn't mean we can't strengthen what's left of them, but I think the most important thing is to not let them die off to begin with. Right, right, and to teach them to not just be consumers of media, yeah. but to, to really interact with human beings and be creative. Yes, and I think that starts at birth. You know, you, you're talking to your infant. You might sound like a crazy person talking <laughs> to your infant, but your infant's absorbing everything that you're saying. Your facial features, you know, children at four to five months old, they smile at you and yeah. you smile at them. So they are learning to model the behavior that they see. So I think as, an, as a parent, that's the most important thing to do is to always model what kind of person you want your child to be later. Um, that doesn't mean you can't put them to bed at seven and then get on your phone. <laughs> exactly. Do the Facebook or your Instagram or whatever you do for the day. Your YouTube videos. Yeah, you watch your YouTube videos. But while your children are awake and you only have them for 18 years, while they're awake, be the center of their attention, be their biggest, you know, their biggest role model and help make them the amazing people that you want them to be. Great. Thank you, Kelly. I have one more question for you. I, this is bad because I was letting my kids watch movies, but I remember at a certain age, about four or five, they would want to watch the same movie over and over and over and over. We watched Pocahontas, I think, every day for a whole year. Why do they do that at that age? Oh, they learn by repetition. So... We say the same words to them over and over and over again in, in school because they learn how to use that word in different contexts. So children want to read the same book over and over. Right, too. yeah. I think as parents, it's helpful for us to watch it for a different purpose. So to say to your kiddos, hey, we've seen my kids watched Cars to a nod, <laughs> right? Yes. I have a picture of my two-year-old watching Cars with my, I guess he was four months old at the time, and he was telling him all the parts. I think that's the important part we talked about when you're watching something with your kiddos, watch it with them right. and ask questions as you go. I did that with my oldest son a lot, and now I can't sit through a movie without him asking a million questions. <laughs> but he's learning as he goes. So repetition is a really important task for children, that they do things over and over again so they learn different things. Um, there's a lot of child development um, theory that talks about children construct meaning by repeating it and, and learning different things from it each time. Okay. It doesn't make me crazy as a mom to have to watch the same movie over and over again. But, you know, made her happy, so we were okay with that. Yeah, and she's probably learned a little bit about Pocahontas' backstory each time she watched that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. 
Well, as we close out, um, be sure to listen to our kids at Sierra singing Simple Truths under the direction of Kelly Spock. Thank you. Can I add one more thing? Yeah. One more thing. Your school history, have you Oh, yes. Please come along today. You know, we have, we're just going to keep going on this podcast. We have a great preschool program. And one of the things when I go into your classrooms, I see kids involved in things, building things, talking to each other. It's not about sitting and doing dittos or, um, you know, learning. It's academic based, but not paper and pencil. So can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, we teach foundational skills in those four developmental domains that I talked about. Um, so we are teaching the children how to learn through play because research says that's how children learn through play. So in the, in the classroom, you would see um, children interacting with materials in different ways. Uh, we allow them to interact with the materials in a way that they initiate, and then the adults come alongside of them and ask them those provocative questions like, you know, I wonder why, why do you think your structure is falling over, or how will you stabilize that structure as it keeps falling? And we help the children to problem solve through different scenarios as they are playing and making meaning of what they're playing with. So we are teaching academic skills through a foundational um, approach. So children might uh, be sorting counters on a table. And what we're doing is teaching them patterning, classifying, sorting, um, how, to, how to sort by one or more, more attributes, uh, which is a skill that they will need in kindergarten when they start to add and subtract. Right. So we, we, it does look like play. And sometimes, we, well, it is play, yeah. and we don't make any excuses for it. But we do have some families that come in and looking, they're looking for an academic. Um, they want homework. They want this. They want that. And uh, we are always telling families they are learning what they need to learn, but they're doing it through play. So even if we ask the kids to sit up straight at the table while they're while they're playing at the table, we do that so we could teach the kids to help develop those muscles that they're going to need in their core. So that when they have to write their name in kindergarten, they will have those muscles developed to do that. So everything we do looks like play. We have parents that will say, all they do is play with Play-Doh. <laughs> yes, that's true. They are playing with Play-Doh. But they're building those motor skills that they're going to need to exactly. be able to do everything else they need to do when they get to kindergarten. So I always tell the parents, they have enough time to do book and seat work when they get to kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Let them play. With them be little children, yeah, because they are. Yes, and we and we are happy to take three and four year olds. And you know, a few years ago we only took four year olds, so now we're able to give children two years of solid preschool experience. And we partner with Quality Start LA, so we are a high quality preschool program, which is what the state wants for children. So when you enroll your child in the Lancaster School District preschool program, you can be assured that it's a high quality preschool program with permitted teachers who work tirelessly to make sure they have all of the coursework that they need to have to be um, the best teachers for your children that, that they can be. You've done some really great things with monitoring classrooms and getting people to, to develop academic language and really focused on what is best for children and not what adults want to see in a classroom a lot of times. Yeah, and I think one of the big things that we really try to impart on parents is that this is a, a village. I know that's a thing people say all the time. And sometimes I tell parents, I'm part of your village whether you want me to be or not. <laughs> but it does take a village to get these three-year-olds through high school. Um, and I think one of the big, beautiful things about the Lancaster School District is that we can partner with them when they're three and, and help the families uh, learn what, how to navigate the school system and how to partner with each teacher as you go along, especially when they get to middle school and your child stops telling you anything at all. Exactly. So <laughs> we, we, we are... Um, we take that responsibility um, to heart 
um, to be able to be the first people to partner with families. We do a lot of parent engagement, parent activities, parent involvement, healthy parenting training. We are trying really hard to get everybody um, on the same page so that our children can be the most successful um, learners that they that they can be as they grow and move through the school district. Right. Well, very good. And if they wanted information about your program, where would they find that? They can find it on our website, which is lancasterpreschool.org, or they can call the office, uh, which is 661-723-0351, extension 1. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm going to give a community shout-out to our um, Overdrive, which is our, uh, we've been talking about screen time, and I'm going to tell people about screens. <laughs> um, Overdrive is our online library, and your kids have access to this all summer long through their Soria app. It's on there. If they go to their class link and go to Soria, they can get books all summer long. Um, check out. They get. I think they have them for two weeks before they get turned back in. And uh, we'll be monitoring kids' reading progress throughout the summer. So we're we're hoping you use that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Kelly. You're